Hello, I'm Dr. Vic Young, pastor of Fountain of Life Bible Church. The year 2020 has been a difficult time for so many people. Uh, Fountain of Life was not able to have our Easter presentation. We're not going to be able to have our Christmas presentation where we use Freedom Hall Civic Center. In fact, this year has been very troubling because of the virus situation and over 300,000 deaths. We have seen politics that has gone every which way imaginable. Things that have caused tremendous depression. We need a little Christmas. We need the bright colors. We need the, the happiness, the joy, the benevolence that comes with the Christmas season. What I'd like to share with you today is a, a special presentation we want to, to bring to you regarding St. Nicholas. In 1897, February the 21st, a young lady by the name of Hanelin, her father was a physician in the west side of New York. She asked him, said, Daddy, everybody says there's not a Santa Claus. He looked at his eight-year-old daughter. And he said, why don't you write to the New York Sun? If you see it in the New York Sun, it's true. So sure enough, she wrote a letter, and it went to Francis Church. Now, Francis Church had been in the Civil War. He'd seen a lot of casualties and death and mayhem, and so he's very cynical. He had no desire, no interest in the supernatural, the metaphysical, the, the uh, things that are not seen, and uh, he was given the assignment. And he said, all right, I'll write it. Uh, I don't want to write it, but I will write it. And just don't allow my name to be attached to it. Well, when he sought uh, and, and tried to find out a way to explain to this young lady about Santa Claus, something magical happened. He realized that everything that demonstrates love, giving, benevolence, when he looked into St. Nicholas himself, he saw all of a sudden uh, the teachings and, and the, the life of a man who loved to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wrote back, sure enough, it was printed in the New York Sun. It said, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And he wrote down exactly what his findings and what it meant to him and how it changed him. In fact, it has been the most repeated, recopied newspaper article in all of the English language. We have a presentation for you here in just a little bit that we think will, will bring a smile to your face, give you the historicity of a man by the name of St. Nicholas. He was a man who was a bishop of the Church of Jesus Christ. He was a man who sacrificed all. And so we can honestly say that God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And so this man who confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of his life is living eternally in the presence of the living God. So when we're asked the question, is there a Santa Claus? We can definitely say yes, and he is alive today. He is more alive now than he has ever been. So we hope you enjoy this presentation that we have this morning, and we hope it will bless you, and we hope that it will bring to your remembrance the joy and the reason for this season, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Isaiah 7, 14 tells us, Behold, I will give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. This was written hundreds of years before the actual birth of Jesus Christ. So I hope, we hope you enjoy this presentation this morning. God bless and keep you.
Let's sit here and rest a while, Mrs. Young, if you don't mind. Ah, oh, Christmas time. I tell you what, it seems like we get through with one Christmas. It's, it's time for another one. And got to buy gifts for the kids and five grandchildren and trying to figure out uh, their ages and what they like. I tell you what, sometimes we get so caught up in the merchandising of Christmas, we forget about the real reason of it. Uh, the real reason is the most beautiful story that has ever been written that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. And that babe that was born in the major was born of a virgin. Now we got so many scientific people that try to discount the reality of a virgin birth. You know, God's word even deals with that in Romans 1, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Without the virgin birth, we would still be dead in our sins. But because of God's unique plan of salvation, uh, we have eternal life through the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. You know, sitting here in a, a white Christmas kind of scenery, you remember years ago when I was working on my doctorate at the University of Oxford, sometimes for lunchtime we'd go up to the Eagle and Child and that's where J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and the Inklings would meet and uh, I tried to order their fish and chips and they put no seasoning on it. <laughs> and I was used to Long John Silver's instead of something fancy like that. But in any event, uh, I was reading something just the other day that kind of shocked me. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is a scene where the wicked witch is losing her power and everything, the frozen area of Narnia is starting to melt as a result St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, comes riding up on a sleigh and he hands gifts to Peter, Lucy, and Susan. Now, that tells us that it wasn't just a Father Christmas uh, individual, that it was actually a St. Nicholas who was known for giving. Now, the interesting thing was, here the world was frozen. We've had uh, Dishonest politicians here lately try to tell us that we're on the verge of a dark and dreadful winter. And here we need Christmas now more than ever. We need the, the beauty of the red that represents so many times people don't realize it's intentional. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. The white that represents though our sins be as scarlet, we shall be white as snow. Now, J.R. Tolkien said that he did not like the character of St. Nicholas in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And that, that puzzled me. Then I realized when Tolkien would write, and he talked about Middle Earth, he wanted to keep things consistent regarding the characters and such. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, St. Nicholas was so out of character with the other characters that were in there. And he, he thought that was a faux pas when it come to writing. But C.S. Lewis, a born-again Christian, had a reason for that. You see, there really was a Santa Claus. So many times a day, particularly in elementary school, kids say, oh, surely you don't believe in a Santa Claus. And even adults try to laugh and say, you don't believe in a Santa Claus. Well, you know, I believe in a Santa Claus. A few years back, I wrote a little book that uh, researching the history of Santa Claus. Santa Claus or St. Nicholas. And in that as aspect, we need to uh, understand where the name Santa Claus came from. You see, Nicholas 
was a young man who was born in the year 280 in a place called Patera in Asia Minor, Lycia, the community of Patera. Now, he was born with wealthy parents, but there was a plague going on at that time. Now, also, Nicholas had an uncle who was a priest in a town called Myra. Now, his parents succumbed to the plague, sort of like we see so many thousands of people now succumbing and dying in this plague. And at this particular time, this young Nicholas uh, was sent to live with his uncle, the priest, after his parents had died. And as a result, we see that uh, he, having that wealth, took that wealth with him. And it, it just went hand in hand with his character, his personality. He loved to give. We see many years later that uh, the Dutch, in fact, there was what was called the Dutch West Indy group that in the 17th century landed in what today is known as Manhattan. Now, of course, the Dutch settling this area, they called the area initially New Amsterdam. And then at time, it became known as New York. And as a result of the fact of the English taken away from the, the Dutch, where they had named it New Amsterdam from their homeland, it became known as New York because the English, when they took it over, named it after their prince, York. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it, how it got the name. But nevertheless, the traditions and the customs and the stories that the Dutch brought with them, they brought with them the story of a saint by the name of Sinterklaas. Now, Sinterklaas was Dutch for Saint Nicholas. And so we can see how the Americanization of that has gone from Sinterklaas, well, initially Saint Nicholas to Sinterklaas, and then as we Americanize it to Santa Claus. But the issue is the fact, the reality that he was actually a real person, a saint, uh, who served mightily in the Church of Jesus Christ. It's not fictitious. And in the year 280, we see that he was born in a little town called Patera in Lycia of Asia Minor, which is Turkey today. He was born to wealthy parents. And as a result, uh, that wealth uh, he was able to carry with him. His parents died of a plague and he was sent to live with his uncle who was a priest in a town called Myra. And uh, going there, still having the wealth that his parents had left him, uh, was able to be used because he had such a benevolent heart and he loved to do things and to give things to, to individuals. Uh, interestingly enough, when he got to Myra, the church there was without a pastor. Now the elder, the eldest elder of that church the night before they'd been looking for a pastor, and they had been in prayer. And he asked the Lord that we need a pastor. Please send us a new pastor. And the Lord laid it on his heart in a dream. Tomorrow, which is the Sabbath, ask the name of everybody who comes in. And whoever is named Nicholas shall be uh, the new pastor of this church. And sure enough, the next day it laid on Nicholas' heart being brought up as a Christian. In fact, I think it's uh, so very interesting like God's Word says in 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a youth thou hast known the holy scriptures, which have made thee wise unto salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, that was spoken to Timothy. But in the same way, uh, St. Nicholas, or Nicholas having Christian parents, they brought him up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, according to 6, uh, Ephesians 6, chapter 4. And so as a result, the next day when he went to church, the elders said, uh, when it came to him, he said, what's your name, young man? And of course, he said, Nicholas. Well, this shocked the elder, and he said, you need to come with me. And so they took him to a, a room off to the side, 
and they started questioning him. They wanted to know about his Christian faith and they were amazed uh, of his understanding of theology. And as a result, they said, uh, we have had a sign, we've had a prayer answered that whoever was going to be entering in here today by the name of Nicholas was to be our new pastor. And we want you to be the pastor of, your, of our church. And he said, but sirs, I, I'm too young. I'm, I'm just a, a child. In fact, that's why he became known as the boy bishop. In fact, in England to this day, around December the 6th, they have a ceremony uh, depicting a young man's chosen to be, represent the boy bishop. He was known as the boy bishop. And, uh, but they shared with him as, as from God's word, let no man despise thy youth and to be ready to give an answer unto all those who ask. And he realized that this was his heart desire. He thought he'd follow in the steps of his uncle and become a priest in the church. He never realized that he would become actually a bishop in the church. And so being wealthy, and he wanted to know what the needs of the people were in his community in this town of Myron. So what he would do is oftentimes he would put on clothing and such that would blend in uh, to the crowds, to the peasantry, to the people. At the church, as a bishop, he'd wear a mitre and a robe and all of this sort of thing, and a type of scepter, staff. But when he would go out into the streets, he would dress like uh, normal people. And as doing that, incognito, so to speak, he could discern and find out what the needs of the peasantry was. And having the money that he had inherited from his parents, he could help them. In fact, one of the most interesting uh, stories, uh, being the boy bishop, he was also known as the patron saint of children. And the reason for that is because he was constantly helping children. Uh, in fact, we see the same type of thing. It's interesting to note that in the United States, uh, a man by the name of an author, by the name of Washington Irving, uh, he was of Dutch descent. And in fact, in uh, uh, 1863, he became the secretary of an organization that celebrated St. Nicholas. Uh, and Washington Irving, he's the one that wrote the legend of Sleepy Hollow and what have you. And as a result, he would write about and tell about this man, St. Nicholas. And he would record the stories that the Dutch people would bring. And one of the stories, and supposedly oral tradition, but also it was written down 200 years after Nicholas as a fact that he would walk through the streets and he knew of this one particular man who was a businessman. He'd lost everything he had in bad business deal. He had three daughters. Now, at that particular time, to be married, uh, a young lady had to have a dowry. And as uh, chauvinistic as it sounds today, a young girl uh, without a husband, uh, her future was, was pretty bleak. And so not having a dowry, their marital future was in question. And so Nicholas knew this. He knew that this was a godly man. He'd lost everything he had. He didn't have the dowries for his daughter. And so when the first daughter became a marital age, one night he, he took a, a little sack of money, if you will, and tossed it through their window and went in the house. And they found the money. The daughter was married. Same thing happened with the second daughter. When she became marital age, uh, St. Nicholas had prepared a little bag of money, tossed it through the window. Well, the father said, okay, when my next daughter gets this age, I'm going to lie and wait, and I'm going to find out where this benevolent individual is. And sure enough, uh, he caught Nicholas in the very act before the young lady's birthday of tossing this bag of money in there. But history records something very interesting, that on the particular time, one particular time when he tossed the money through the window, 
The young ladies had hung their stockings near the fire to dry them out. And as a result, the bag of money had landed in the stocking. That's where to this day we get the, the historical representation of hanging stockings from the chimney in hopes that they would be filled. Now, Nicholas continued to be a magnificent bishop in the town of Myra. Uh, he so desired to go to the Holy Lands. Well, at this particular time in the year 303, Diocletian was the emperor of Rome, and uh, he hated Christians. He hated Christians. And so as Nicholas was heading to the Holy Lands uh, on his own personal type of crusade, he was arrested and he was thrown into prison. And as a result of being thrown into prison, uh, he was literally shackled uh, to a cold, damp cell because of no other reason uh, than his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he stayed there for so long, and again, to this day, he is known as the patron saint of prisoners. Uh, the history of Nicholas is absolutely over, and the substantiation, when I wrote the book many years ago, uh, substantiating the life and the historicity of St. Nicholas, I was overwhelmed at how much documented history uh, was allotted to this bishop, boy bishop, to this, to this saint, and his history of serving and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. It was absolutely uh, incredible. So he's put into prison, but then all of a sudden Diocletian was removed uh, as the emperor of Rome. Now, at that time, it's very interesting to note that a Roman general by the name of Constantine was fighting another group within uh, the Roman Empire for the leadership. And Constantine, on his battle, or meeting, getting ready to go to the battle, looked up in the sky, and he saw a sign of the cross, and a voice said, go with this sign, the sign of the cross. As a result, Constantine became a Christian, and he had put into uh, an edict, into an order of religious toleration. So he became a Christian, but he also allowed for the toleration of other beliefs uh, among the people as well. So when Constantine became the new emperor, uh, we see that Nicholas was released from prison. Now, something that I find very interesting, Nicholas left where he'd been in prison and he wanted to set sail, take a passage on a ship uh, to get back to Patera. And then of course, it was a short way to Myra. Now, interesting enough, he of all the ships that he could have booked passage on, uh, the captain of this ship was a slaver. And so he thought that he would take uh, Nicholas and put him on the slave market and sell him. And this was happening a lot in North Africa at the time that they were taking uh, whites and literally selling them into slavery. And so he thought he, he might have a nice little bankroll in, in Nicholas. An interesting thing, when Nicholas realized it after he's on the ship, he prayed. An interesting thing happened. Uh, it recorded and many sailors had testified to this. A tremendous wind came up and the captain wasn't able to navigate to where he wanted to go and brought him back in towards the coast of Patera. To this day, he is known as the patron saint of sailors. And you, you see all these different references from different people. The, the, the stories of Nicholas had spread all over the known world. Uh, we see that Vladimir had taken the stories of Russia, of, of Nicholas to Russia, and he became the patron saint of Russia. The Greeks had known about the, all the stories regarding St. Nicholas. He became the patron saint of the country of Greece. In fact, so many young, uh, uh, young boys 
from Greece are named Nicholas. Uh, in fact, we have a friend who is Greek. He used to be a teacher. Nicholas was a very uh, a part of his name. So the, 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 there's more churches in Russia and Europe named after Nicholas than all the disciples put together. You see, these things just couldn't be a matter of, of fiction. There, there, there's history behind this. Now, also, now we, we, something we got to realize is uh, Nicholas being as benevolent that he, as he is, there's a lot of stories that went about that had no basis to them. Uh, so many times, like when a hero is written down, uh, sometimes the stories will, will get blown, blown out of sight. We see, um, you know, I was telling you earlier about Washington Irving. Uh, a man who was a Christian who read the writings of Washington Irving was a man by the name of Charles Dickens. And uh, Charles Dickens, of course, we're familiar with his writings of the Christmas Carol. And he wrote about the three spirits, the spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of Christmas future. In the spirit of Christmas present, we see that he is the one who looks most like the one that we know as St. Nicholas, or as we have also known him now as Santa Claus. And as a result, we see that we have a beautiful representation of a jolly man, a happy man. You see that the, the, where we got this same situation of how we see Santa Claus today, uh, in 1823, uh, a man by the name of Clement Moore, he was a professor at a seminary. And uh, he was talking to his grandchildren and that's where he wrote uh, uh, that story that we're all familiar with, A Visit from St. Nicholas. And that's where he described him as a pudgy man with a white beard and such. And he had a sleigh with eight tiny reindeer. And, and so that became so very popular. Then a man in 1863 by the name of Thomas Nast, who was a cartoonist, who drew, that's where we got the picture of how Santa Claus uh, looks today. And then in 1921, Coca-Cola took the, the issue. And that's how we got the traditional picture of how we see Santa Claus looks today. But the original Nicholas was a, a godly man who loved the Lord with all his heart. It wasn't a fiction. Now, the, the one thing we have to realize, in the year 151, there Constantine brought together all these bishops from all over the world. And all these bishops gathered together because there's a man by the name of Arius who was trying to attack the reality of Jesus Christ being divine, being God incarnate. And so when all these bishops showed up at the Council of Nicaea, in fact, Matthew, our son, we're out there. Would you come here and please read what the Council of Nicaea, if you want to know what St. Nicholas believed, here's what St. Nicholas believed. Here was the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, Almighty Father, maker of all things seen and unseen, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father and only begotten, that is, from the essence of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one essence with the Father, through whom all things were made, both the things in heaven and the things upon the earth, who for us men and for our salvation descended and became flesh and became man, suffered and rose on the third day, and ascended into the heavens, and is coming to judge living and dead, will believe also in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Laddie. Now go play in the snow. <laughs> so, if we want to know what St. Nicholas believed, 
We see right here he was a defender of the Nicene Creed. In fact, it was said in history recorded he was the 151st signer of the Nicene Creed. And the history recorded during that time that he was so infuriated by Arius that he literally walked up and slapped him. And they had to remove Nicholas, St. Nicholas, from the, the meetings that Constantine called together to establish the Nicene Creed. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ vehemently. You see, God's Word tells us, let those who real, rule well, those elders, let them be counted of double honor. Nicholas was an elder who ruled well, who loved the Lord, and pointed the way to Jesus Christ. You see, he pointed to the virgin birth, and his virgin birth because the blood that, threw, that flowed through the veins of Jesus Christ knew not Adam's sin. And that was of necessity because he was the only actual sacrifice that could pay up the price. He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. We need to get our shopping done. Are you ready to go? All right. Thank you for joining us at Fountain of Life Bible Church for our Christmas presentation. And we hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. We hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. Some may be wondering why the emphasis on St. Nicholas. Uh, obviously, he's not the reason for the season, but he pointed to the reason for the season, and that is the sacred, beautiful birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So many days, uh, people are, are advertising their disbelief. They're wanting to do away with the name Christmas, uh, not saying Merry Christmas. Christmas itself means Christ Mass. The word Christ means literally the Messiah. The Mass means to worship. So whenever we even use the word Christmas, we're talking about worshiping the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We bring reference to you in this account, a historical account of a man by the name of Nicholas to demonstrate, as God's Word tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are to be ambassadors for Christ. As Nicholas stood unashamedly for the, the deity of Jesus Christ, we need in this day and time uh, to stand for the deity of Jesus Christ and the fact that he left his home in glory to come to this sphere, to live, to die with our sin upon him, to rise from the grave, that we may have the promise uh, of eternal life. Uh, this little booklet that I wrote years ago giving the historicity of St. Nicholas, and we have coupled it with a little coloring book so that the boys and girls can be read the story of St. Nicholas by their parents, but also have a coloring pages to fill in. Anyone who would like to have a copy of this, just contact us at Fountain of Life Bible Church, 282-0655. That's 282-0655, and we will send you for free a copy of this book that gives the story, the truthful historical account of St. Nicholas, as well as coupled with a coloring book for the boys and girls. So have a happy Merry Christmas, and from the young family to all of you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.